Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monteith. Where are we going today, dude? Well, we've been kind of batting around a couple of the uh, podcast links that uh, listener Amy uh, put into the Facebook group for Untangling Christianity a little while ago. And I, I must, I have to say to Amy, I, I, I'm feeling badly because, I mean, uh, John popped you in a comment and I, I may have put in one of those comments of, hey, I'm reading this and I'll get back to you. But I don't even know if I put that in. But we we have been listening. I have been listening to, I think I've listened twice now to the first White Horse in podcast on sustainable churches and uh, just finished listening to that again and then listened to the second one on consumerism, pragmatism, and the triumph of the therapeutic. So I thought it would be a good idea to discuss some of the the content of those podcasts. It was interesting to me that the two of them were rather, I found them rather different and I'd like to know how, what you thought about them. Did you have a, how much of the second one did you have a chance to listen to? I feel like I listened to maybe half of it and then. Okay. Uh, yeah. Not, yeah. I have to confess. They, they're not really, they weren't really my thing. Like I don't come from that. I don't know. I guess there was a period of time when I was like post-college, I was going to a particular church and there was, there was kind of a heavy reformed, emphasis by one of the guys that was leading one of the groups mm-hmm. and i don't know if horton came to speak or no who's he is he the facilitator michael horton yeah he's the facilitator of the conversations oh so you um, might have heard him i i'm trying to feel like i him. i vaguely i know i have one of his books that i've never read but i bought like 20 years ago hmm. um i think it's called what's so amazing about grace and oh. So yeah, I just I there I don't relate. I didn't really relate to their their conversation or their style of um presentation. It it seemed mm. like a lot of inside baseball. So, I'm totally curious, huh. you know, I asked Amy but I I don't think she had a chance to respond. I'm curious like what what she like what she was getting from them and and really curious like what I'm missing cuz I didn't I didn't really hear anything like nothing. I guess it didn't really resonate with me. I feel bad saying that because I don't, <laughs> I don't want people to say, Hey, this is really great. You should check it out. And then I check it out and I'm like, uh, it wasn't great for me. And so I, I don't right. know, maybe we talk about that. Cause I'm struggling with that a little bit. You know, we've talked a lot about a, the courtesy nod. And yeah. so, um, I don't know. I'd almost throw it back to you. What, <laughs> what are your thoughts on like how how do we handle something like this that you know I'm guessing that she found value in it so that's why mm-hmm. she posted it. Mm-hmm. I didn't find value in it. Do mm-hmm. I is it hurtful to say that I didn't find value? Is it um well it would be dishonest to say that was really great because I didn't yeah. think it was great. Yeah. Um I respect that she thought it was again we don't i don't know if she thought it was great or not great or what so i'm still missing the context as to why well she's i think she, the sustainable church one she thought was connected to 
the conversation we had with Dan Daly. Yeah. I and think then so. the other one, I can't remember what the connection for that one is. So I want to just say that right off the top that I respect that she may have liked it and it may have been meaningful to her, but I didn't find it meaningful. So I guess full circle to say, how do we navigate? How do we navigate things like this? Because my other fear, I think, in even having this conversation is, you know, people would say, well, gosh, I can't post anything to that group unless John or Greg agrees with it. Otherwise, they're going to be, you know, not supportive. And right. so that's that's not positive either. But so I don't know. I'm going in circles now. Help me out. <laughs> well, actually, I think what you said is really helpful because I think it's extremely sensitive you know, and, and kind of expressing, I would echo your sentiments that uh, I hope that people do post things in the Facebook group and and do participate. Um, yeah, I'm just here actually in the Facebook group, and uh, yeah, the first one was connected with um, Amy wrote. I uh, thought some might find this podcast interesting. This is on the Sustainable Churches episode, the first one. It's related to the topic from issue 97, and that was the conversation we had with Dan. Yeah, you made a you made a post. Thanks for, and I'll have a listen. And and I'm still so I listened to get back. <laughs> so I did, and I was genuine. I was like, okay, I'll listen. So I listened, and after I listened, I was like, um, lots of inside baseball, mm-hmm. lots of terminology that kind of rubs me the wrong way, mm-hmm. and I I wanted to find something constructive. Be like, oh, I really like their point about X or Y, and I I didn't so. I guess yeah. now I've, I guess now I've said it. <laughs> okay. Well, no, that's that's fair. Now, what did you think when you listened to the second? Did you? What I can't differences? remember. What was the second no. one about? The second one was with. Uh, I'm trying to just pull his name up here. Oh, it was the guy from Notre Dame about? Yeah, church? Chris. People uh, going to churches or something. Gosh, I'm, I cannot find his name. His books, he's written two books, Soul Searching and Souls in Transition. He's a sociologist at Notre Dame and is really looking at, specifically at evangelicalism in the United States and is doing that in a sociological study by following uh, a group of uh, cohort of uh, 13 to 17 year olds. I think those were the age brackets and following them over time. So I'm not sure how old that bracket is now. I think he's been doing this for several years at least. And he has come up with a, a term a term that he uses to sort of um, uh, identify the kind of dominant, if you will, religious orientation of these folks. And he calls it therape- uh, uh, moralistic therapeutic deism. Oh, Christian Smith is his name. Christian Smith. So that's the, the fellow. So you, that one was about a week ago or two. Mm. The the one about sustainable churches, you know, you and I were kind of batting around something that we might talk about today, and this mm-hmm. was a possibility, so mm-hmm. I re-listened to it. So that's kind of, that that one's fresh in my mind. The other one one's fresher. Okay. is not so fresh. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I mean, I would say just, just two things really briefly. I mean, I really liked the introduction that Amy gave to the first one and tying it in with with Dan's and that, she, you know, she wonders if this is connected and how much so people might see the connection. And the second one, Amy just posted the uh, um, the link and not really much of a comment there. I noticed that you um, had asked Amy, you know, uh, what, what she uh, liked or epiphanies that, uh, that she could share from the uh, 
from I guess the second one or maybe the first one too. But she probably hasn't had a chance to to get back yet. But I think that's that's a really helpful way to go, you know, because without listeners putting in some some sort of personal connection or um, some sort of impact that this might have had on them or, or, you know, just what brought them to this particular podcast or this article. If you link something in, the more you can give us, the the easier it makes it for us to, to be able to connect with you. Because on the one hand, I mean, I, you know, um, I generally enjoy listening to these other podcasts and reading these other articles, but it's really quite um, valuable more so when I can connect with uh, a listener's thoughts or a perspective on the matter. And then we can almost, you know, have a dialogue like, you know, here we can throw some stuff out there and maybe Amy uh, hearing this or other listeners, uh, if you, if you want to, you know, uh, come back to us or, uh, you know, just continue the conversation, that would be great. Yeah. And I think it, it no, I like that. Yeah. Cause it provides, it provides kind of a common starting point or at least an initial orientation which is interesting because as the, what dawns on me as we're talking about this is this came up in the whole side conversation we were having around asking good questions. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- I think that you were using in your discussion group at church was, you know, kind of framing, th- at least for me, when I had the most positive meal discussions at Labrie, it was usually setting it up in such a way that I have this question about such and mm-hmm. such and here's why and yes. maybe here's a little background or yes here's what i really disagree with or here's what i thought was really spot on or mm-hmm. what does everyone else think or how do we make sense of this right so yeah no that's really that's helpful that, that's a good uh that's a good point to kind of underscore here um where do you want to go at this point? Do you want to talk a little bit about, I mean, you've thrown it back to me a couple of times and I'm, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I don't know where else to go with it. I'm okay. Yeah. I, without more, yeah, without more, I guess I'll just resummarize my position. I didn't, I didn't hear anything new or if I didn't have any like, Oh wow. I'd never thought of it that way. Or, Hmm, that's a really good point. I can agree with, I I personally didn't find any of those things. I think if if I was to give some feedback, I would say that I really I really appreciated the um there's quite a difference I found in the two podcasts. The tone was different, the flavor was different. It seemed like in the first podcast it, it was it was far more you talked about inside baseball and it yeah, it seemed like an inside conversation. There there was really um I, I, my perspective where there were, there were a lot of assumptions being made there, you know, and I, I understand that these, these people, you know, both the presenter and, and in both podcasts, the first podcast, he had two guests and the second he had one guest. So there's four people in total across the, the two podcasts. And these are credentialed people, educated people, but the assumptions that were being made, I thought were um, quite problematic in the first one. And uh, I really valued that in the second one, the uh, what was his name again? Chris uh, uh, Smith. Yeah, he was very, very thoughtful. He was very hesitant to go too far. He said, you know, a couple times this is a complicated matter, and I don't want to, you know, make it seem like it's not. And he, you know, by and large, I think he did a very good job at presenting his work 
presenting why he's researching, what he's finding. You know, I had a, a couple, uh, yeah, a, a couple quibbles, maybe more than quibbles, a, a couple points of concern, actually. But he also made a couple of really interesting and really valuable thoughts, uh, comments. You know, he talked, and I'm just going to, because this is how I do it, like I can't keep track of it if I don't put down, like if it's in a book, I'll say it's on page notes. four. <laughs> I, made, I made notes, but I also made time marks. Oh, wow. So you can go back and check. So at minute 26 of the second podcast, um, there was a question about, you know, do we need to be reminded uh, that uh, practices matter as much as theory? And uh, this is the presenter asking that. And Smith responded. And he talked a little bit about rationalism and this kind of idea that if we get the right worldview, in other words, if we get, I don't know about so much about the terminology, I don't think worldview is quite what we're after. But if we get the right sets of understandings, if we figure stuff out, then we can make it all work. So if we have the right theory, in other words, we're going to get the right practice. And his comment back to that was, is more complicated than that. I thoroughly agree. But the other comment that he made that I thought was really valuable, he said, ideas make sense. And I would say they make sense and they gain purchase. They, they grow in relevance and they send roots down into our reality, if you will, in the context of living them out and living with them. And I think this is really, really important because the second one, the second uh, um, podcast was about uh, the, this kind of, I feel like that I'm going to say tension, but it wasn't really about attention. It was about uh, the way in which uh, evangelicalism in America has essentially given itself over to a far more experiential orientation. And um, I thought that, again, Smith's approach was interesting. He's a sociologist, so he's studying these folks, right? I think the, the kind of the questionable part of this, though, is he's studying teens and he's getting this idea from teens, right? So when he talks about his uh, um, moralistic therapeutic deism and he defines this, he's got five points about this and it kind of makes this kind of wishy-washy notion that's sort of related to Christianity but sort of not. Um, you know, he's got some things like uh, at minute eight. Um, so the Christian way of interpreting reality is traded for a therapeutic grammar. This is the questioner. And um, Smith answers that ideas like sin don't seem to have much of a – sin is about other people. Sinners are mostly other people, bad people. So sin and evil are part of the other and they don't affect me. And yet, on the other hand, you know, he's working with teens. So, I mean, I know that when I was a teenager, I had certain ideas and ways of viewing the world. And as I became older, I realized that those ideas don't stand up to reality, you know. So as we get older, we develop and we see things a little differently. So um, on the one hand, I, I value what he's done. On the other hand, I think making broad generalizations, which I don't think he is, but I think the presenter seemed to be. And I think I also really valued that uh, at a couple of junctures, the, uh, the presenter asked Smith some questions and um the presenter being Horton, right? Horton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um really right towards the end at 3145, he he talked to he said, you know, so where we're charged with irrelevance, and they were they were talking a lot about, you know, evangelicals want to be deemed respectable and viewed as relevant. And, you know, I think this is one of the places where I think Smith uh could have put a lot more finesse into what he did. But he talked at minute 2450. He said that there's a pathetic impulse in American evangelicalism and evangelicalism to be respectable and relevant. 
an obsession with relevance and respectability. Yet to have influence, you have to be different. And so, you know, I think um, in that regard, um, relevance, and he was talking about relevance in terms of, you know, political parties or um, uh, being sort of manifestly present on the, you know, cultural political uh, spectrum, let's say, in the United States. And I think relevance is a little bit different than that. That's certainly not what I would be talking about when I talk about that the church has lost credibility amongst non-Christians and that atheists see Christianity as irrelevant. It's that we do not engage with some of the larger issues. We do not engage with um, evolution. We do not engage with issues about sexuality. We sort of make these very... um, We don't build bridges at all. We just make big walls. And we expect people to kind of jump over the walls if they want to get in with us. And we don't offer them any way to do that. And so at the end of the podcast, the presenter said to um, Chris uh, Smith, uh, Christian Smith, um, so where we're charged with irrelevance by some of our you know, fellow evangelicals, this might be what's, re- what's really worth listening to. And I just thought, I'm not sure what you're talking about here. He's just laid this out in the opposite direction. And instead of agreeing with him, he said, well, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, there might be something to that. And, uh, you know, that was just at the very end of, of their discussion. So I really thought the second one was much, much better. And I thought that having the one person there and really talking about his books and focusing on that made that second podcast much, much stronger. Again, I still have some, a, a major issue, if you like, with this idea of, uh, you know, the impulse to be respectable and relevant. Uh, I think that relevance needs to be defined. And I think that Christians need to be relevant. So <laughs> how though, okay, so he's talking in sweeping generalizations that, you know, about relevance, but aren't you doing the same thing when you say that, you know, atheists and other non-Christians consider Christianity to be irrelevant? Like, aren't you speaking for all non-Christians in that? Like, how how is, how is what you've said different than what you're criticizing them of doing? Well, I suppose it's a generalization. I just haven't met too many atheists and non-Christians who uh, might know me or know anybody that I know, or hear anybody who is a Christian with any stories that's saying, hey, I'm an atheist, but I'm kind of, you know, want to talk to you about your views. Hey, I'm an atheist, and I kind of respect Christians' perspectives on these things. I don't hear that anywhere, ever. And I hear the opposite all the time, so... I didn't think that is. Why? I... You want me to be honest? Of course you want me to be honest. (laughs) Now tell me some lies. (laughs) You'd throw me down and figure for me if I wasn't honest. (laughs) Because it's true. I think it's dead true. We are not relevant. We have lost relevance. We don't even... It's like, you know, for all of the the, the things I might pick with about Francis Schaeffer, you know, despite being a big fan of Labrie... I think Schaefer was dead on and remains dead on and probably will be dead on for, sadly, for a long time. But, you know, his comment that it's not that today's uh, North American seminary students uh, don't know the answers. It's that they don't know the questions. We are just, our, our schools are not teaching us. Uh, our churches are not orienting us. Uh, you've got, you've got we've, we talked before about... Um, <laughs> 
this is going to sound like I'm, 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 I'm bringing the whole kitchen sink in here, but <laughs> I, I'm just going to be honest with you. We talked before about, for example, the um, apologetic movement and, and one example of, of that movement being Ravi Zacharias and me noting that when I come across some of these people or I, I, I come across the work of, let's say, something like the Truth Project put up by Focus on the Family, which is designed to educate and inform Christians, the perspectives are so partial, so one-sided, and as a result, reductionistic, and then tend towards polarization. And, and somehow... And why is that? Because they're trying to drive home a point? I think because they're scared, because they don't care. I mean, that's going to sound like... what do you like mean they big... don't care? That's why they're doing it. Uh, well, I think they care a lot about Christians. I don't know that they care a lot about, about what atheists think. In other words, when I... No, they're trying to win them over. Well, exactly. You can't win somebody over if you don't even know who they are or what they're talking about. And what's this idea of winning over? You know, do I think there are better ways of living and better ways of being in the world? Absolutely. Do those relate directly to Christianity? Absolutely. But what is the means of communication that is going to be most effective? The direct route is often not the direct route. And that simplistic way and that reductionistic way of approaching other people ultimately makes them into objects. That is not what I see happening in the New Testament. That is not the way I see Jesus acting, even when he's talking with people like uh, a Syrophoenician woman, woman who comes and says, you know, will you heal my child? And Mark and the, the Mark and Jesus says, hey, you know, I've come to, uh, to, to deal with the people of Israel, not to, uh, not with, not to the dogs. You know, even there, even there, I think what's what we're seeing is a culturally, really culturally laden perspective. And then that perspective is overcome right before our eyes as Jesus has compassion on this woman. And that happens time and time and time again. So I think it's there because it's, I think that perspective of Christians not being relevant is true. And I think instead of trying to fight it and say that we are, we need to learn from some of these people. The first thing I want to do if somebody says I'm irrelevant is say, why? Why do you think that? And what does relevance mean? You know, if, even if they're willing to give me the time of day to participate in that, that conversation and answer that question, that's a great start. But for some of this kind of these orientations, I, I, you know, a lot of Christian apologetics work is based on misunderstandings of some of these uh, boogeyman notions like uh, postmodernism that ultimately end up shortcutting and, and short-circuiting our ability to have a conversation. And I guess that's the other thing, John. I don't really think that most of this is about conversation. It's about debate. It's about presentation of ideas. Either you're going to get it or you're not. You know, and if my view, if my theology says there's nothing good in human beings, there's an image of God, but the ability to understand God, to do right, all of these other things is only able to be actioned, essentially, when I'm a Christian, then what use is it? Why would I listen to Bertrand Russell? Why would I pay attention to Sigmund Freud? Why would I read Nietzsche? These people very clearly were not Christians. And I think this type of orientation, this whole orientation must be overcome. I'm not reading Freud or Nietzsche or anybody like that so that I can win over people who read them and, and approve of them. I'm reading them to learn from them because they know things I don't. Because if I believe that all truth is God's truth, then I need not be afraid wherever I find it. 
And I also can believe that I'm going to find it in lots of places, not just in the Bible. So, yeah. It's not in a, my head, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry, you, maybe, you just turned on the roller coaster there and I'm, woo! <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, yeah, and I think maybe the, the I don't know, there's some tie in here because I jotted down to the first, in the, yeah, the first episode where they're talking about the church. This is what I wrote down because to me, this did not feel relevant to me. This is the kind of, in, this is an example, I guess, of the inside baseball thing that I, maybe it makes sense to other people, but I was completely lost. And, and they were talking about what the church needs to do and what the church should be. And I think they used the words word and sacrament ministry uh, 20 times, but th- th- they wrote down this one that I did write down because I was just like, what? It said, what the church should offer is the communion of saints and the fellowship of believers and a life that grows out of the gospel. And I was just like, I've heard those words all my life, but like, what do they mean? What does that look like? What? Yeah. Um. And again, that's where I would say this is, and maybe there's a place for this. I think it was a pastor or two pastors talking with Michael Horton about mega churches. And mm-hmm. so in terms of being relevant to an outside audience, maybe, maybe that doesn't, maybe they don't need to be because it's an inside conversation. Um, but even though I feel like I'm kind of inside or I kind of understand that world, mm. like language like that just did not make any sense to me. Yeah. No, I, I have to admit my first, thought when you read that was and what does that mean you know practically speaking what does that look like and they 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 offered a couple of examples but some of them were just so problematic to me that um i I found it really difficult to kind of keep keep going with them so at 22 minute i'm just give some minute marks again for people who might want to listen to some of this yeah and i mean anyone else like fact check us here i mean listen to it tell us Mm -hmm. john and greg Mm -hmm. you completely missed the boat the whole point of that their conversation was this and you guys completely missed the boat and here's what it was really about like i'm open to that i don't (laughs) i i'm yeah i'm i'll be surprised to see it but i'm yeah i I want to keep an open mind on this that's what i'm trying to say yeah. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, I found the first conversation to be really problematic. I mean, I'll, I'll just admit that. I, I thought that on the one hand, I, th- I think they had mischaracterized. I'm not, I'm not sure that they've got the problem straight. And therefore, I don't think they've got the solution straight. And and I, I think there just wasn't the uh, amount of sort of critical feedback from within the three of them. Um, it just seemed like a lot of back padding at a certain point. And that kind of got to a, it, it gained a critical mass around minute, I don't know, 22, 23, and then really kind of all the way through to the end there. But at minute 22, 30, they're talking about, they say, you know, in a word and sacrament church, there should be a, this kind of anonymous one anothering is the the words that the that particular contributor used. I, I don't know. I couldn't pick out these the, the three voices and they're fairly similar. So I'm, I'm just not going to. Take well, a I guess think that was the whole, was, but that was the yeah that was around their whole contention that that all Christians need accountability and that the church provides accountability, and I'm yeah. pretty the older I get the more I'd kind of disgusted I am with the the idea of accountability and 
I I think it's a I think it's a concept that that's useful when done and used in the right way. Mm-hmm. But I think when you mix church and religion and God in with it, it gets all messed up. Mm-hmm. Well, they had a big focus on, you know, people like to fly under the radar. We're a consumerist culture and we want to consume. And and I, I guess, you know, to be honest with you, all I heard in, in that is is we've got, there's a lot of Christian terminology, which I think was a little bit cliche, but there was a lot of... Uh, kind of social understandings and, and you know, cause, causals, sort of causes for people's actions that I thought were extremely cliche. You know, if you want to think about why people are, are acting in a way such that they're, you know, that you see them as, quote, flying under the radar or not wanting to be, to have any input into how they live their lives as Christians, um, you know, Instead of just thinking, hey, these are sinful people and letting this notion, this overwhelming and I think overly strong notion of sinfulness. And I think this, this tends to be a failing in CRC churches and, and, and perhaps in Lutheran churches. Way too much on this and not enough to say, hey, you know, are there other things going on here? What if I was to read Brene Brown? What would she tell me about vulnerability? Well, she'd tell me vulnerability is essential but it's very hard to get to. She'd also tell me that people who live successful lives are people who are, whose lives are characterized by vulnerability. And so that over time, we do find that people can, you know, you, you, you go along and you begin to see that that's something you need. That relationships and uh, jobs and uh, living your life in the world doesn't work out as well as you thought when you try to be you know, the man of steel or the woman of steel, but being open is an essential component of being fully human. So but do you think we could, do, so I just had this thought because, mm. you know, having conversations like this makes me really, really uncomfortable because I'm, mm. I fear that someone will listen to this and be like, well, you know, like, why are you guys any better than these other guys? I mean, you just because you have two microphones in the internet, you know, you can just criticize them. Like, that's not... I don't know. I wonder almost about flipping it around. Like what? Okay. Yeah. So they're talking about how people are flocking to these, these mega churches because of, you know, they just, they -hmm. just want to consume and they want to fly under the radar and they don't want to be accountable to anyone. That's, that's their observation or judgment or whatever. So I don't know. I want, could we flip it around and say, okay, I wonder what's going on for these guys as they're talking about this topic. Like why, why is this topic so important to them? What, what are they hoping to gain? Why is it of interest to them? What are they looking to gain by discussing it? Yeah, well, I mean, I would find that a little tough to do. I mean, one point in that first, again, kind of, you know, I think I've said my piece about the second podcast. and But in this first podcast, one thing that really stuck, st- you know, struck me at minute 2730 one of the presenters said, the reality is that you go to church or that you ought to go to hear the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen again for the forgiveness of all our sins. But I would say this, I think, is the focal understanding that all three of these gentlemen had. And I think this, un- this understanding is essentially flawed. I think it's flawed because what it says is the Bible is, the principal role of the Bible is to tell us about God. And I would say the Bible's role is to tell us who, what, God is, 
who, what human beings are, and what or how is best for the, relate, for the two to relate to each other. And it's also then subsequently, not as importantly, but subsequently, to talk and to tell us about how human beings should relate to each other, so how I should relate to my fellows, and how I should relate to my world. That's what is the focus, and that's what we can derive from the Bible. So when I go to church, it's all of those things. It's not just about God. It's about me too. It's about me and God. It's so about what makes, me and you. It's about me and the planet. So what makes your perspective right and theirs wrong? Well, I would say that I can argue from the scriptures that it's, it's, it's what I'm seeing. There's a lot of information in the Bible. Like if you don't think there's information in the Bible about what the nature of human beings, then I'm not sure how it is that we as Christians understand how to live. If it's all about God, if it's all about, you know, the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen again for the forgiveness of all our sins, this sounds exactly like what N.T. Wright is writing about in uh, How God Became King, in one of his more recent books, where all we're doing is we're focusing on, you know, we kind of, we, it's like, it's, this is like a creedal formulation. And the creed was, would kind of talk about how Jesus was born. And then all of a sudden, how Jesus died and rose again. There's a whole lot of stuff going on in between. And it's not just building up. It's not just, just fuzzy content or whatever, fluffy content, if you want to say it that way, that, that explains the birth and explains the death. It has, it's, as Wright would say, it's theologically load-bearing. It's got value and it's necessary. But I think what I'm focusing on is something that I think every Christian does and sees. Hey, this book is telling me about God. This book is telling me about me. This book is telling me about how the two should engage with, you, with each other. If there's a Christian out there who doesn't think that, I, I guess my question to them is, how, what sort of insight do you have about yourself then, theologically, and where does it come from? Has God spoken to you? What kind of insight do you have about how you should relate to God? Because you may know an awful lot about God through the Bible, but if there is nothing in the Bible about how to relate to God, are you just guessing? Are you making it up? Has, has the Holy Spirit just kind of spoken in your ear? And I think the, the answers are just, just plain and clear. Of course we know this through the Bible. That's part of what it is to be a Christian. And yet we don't allow ourselves to focus on this because we somehow think that the, the way that Christians are supposed to be Christians is by making God always primary. God has to be primary. That's the definition of a Christian. No, God is in the right place. I love God entirely. I love myself rightly. I love my neighbor likewise. That is putting things in their right place. It's not all about God, right? As we talked about with, um, you know, very early on with not a fan and some of these ideas out of Galatians, I think Galatians, end of Galatians 2, but emptying ourselves. That's not what Paul's getting on about. We don't make less of us. We don't try to create less, make me uh, diminish myself so that I can make more room for the spirit. Like saying, you know, I used this analogy before about, you know, uh, a, a couple's having a new baby and they say to their first child, hey, I'm sorry, we've got a new child coming in. There's only so much love to go around. You're just going to have to get divided in two. That just doesn't happen. That's not how it works. And it's the same principle when we're talking about engaging with God because this is what? This is principally a love relationship based on truth. That's what we're dealing with here. So, you know, I think when I'm hearing these fellows present the picture that they're presenting... I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding 
about what the nature of church is, what's supposed to happen there, and about my role and God's role, there, there's some really fuzzy stuff happening there. You know, they made a comment. Um, I'm trying to find it. Well, so while you're looking for that, what, mm. what, how would you have done the conversation differently? What would you, I mean, it's easy to say, oh, these guys did it wrong or didn't, well, yeah. didn't help me. Is there any way to say, well, here's a, here's something that they could have, here's a, is there a constructive, can we add any constructive critique here? Well, I guess the best thing I could do as me is I can approach them and I can say, you know, here's some thoughts on, on what you said, you know, and I can kind of highlight some of the things I can put in the minute marks to show that I'm, you know, I'm not just taking you out of context. These are more or less what you said and more or less when you said it. So you can go back and reference it and et cetera. If I were leading it, but you know, the, the other thing I guess maybe it is worth mentioning here is that I don't know if you've seen it, but again, I don't see any way to leave a comment on the White Horse um, podcast. And when I looked for... Um, well, there's not even like a contact form or anything? No. Hmm. No, there was a support us. There's a contact us under about us. Let me just take a look. First name, last name, theological inquiries. But there's no... Yeah, departments, donations, general information... I don't know. I can try it, right? I can try it and submit it and see what I get back. Um, but my biggest, I guess, approach would be on the one hand to say, like, I, I think I'm, I'm coming from a very different perspective insofar as I see human existence and human experience and human engagement to be extremely important. You know, in the, the second, uh, I think it was the second podcast, um, the presenter said that his producer was at a, con a congress or a conference and it was a Christian gathering and asked a number of people, you know, do you think that any person is, is good or can do right? And, or I think it was more the, the presented a, a quoted Romans three, you know, there is no person, not one is good. And, um, and on, on the basis of the responses said, you know, essentially most people wouldn't agree with this and they're Christians and that's a big problem. And I guess, you know, I think there's a lot more nuance that's needed. I think another thing that could have been helpful for this group is if you had somebody with a different disposition, you've got two ministers, one of whom is a prof. Um, also bring in someone that maybe disagrees or holds a different position. Just yeah, even that, hold a different no, discipline. That been, no, that would have made for an interest. Yeah, that might have been more interesting, at least for me, would have been to hear the not the McLaughlin hour or anything, but, you know, just some disagreement. Some like, well, no, I don't take that. You know, I'd look at it this way or some different perspectives. Yeah, and I, I don't think disagreement in and of itself is valuable. I think that viewpoints that allow for challenges to be, to be levied and the viewpoints that will ultimately broaden the discussion, that's where it's helpful. You know, so if that person were to approach me and quote the beginning of Romans to me without giving me a verse number or anything like that, do you think that's correct? And my, my, do you agree with that? I would probably say yes and no. Yes, in terms of soteriology. Yes, in terms of what it means to be able to come into right relationship with God. No, I don't think anyone 
has what it takes to stand before God and say, and demand of God, I have met all your requirements, and therefore you must deal with me as an equal. No, I don't believe that at all. Yes, I believe that. Do people do good? Yes, they do. And I think we need to be a little more granular. We need to be thinking these things through a little bit more rather than attaching ourselves so strongly to our theological positions that we don't allow the real life, real world understandings that we have as human beings. Hey, I just saw that guy do something. That was really a fantastic thing. It doesn't have to be all good. He doesn't have to be pure. He doesn't have to be Jesus to have done something that was good. Neither do you, neither do I. I do good things all the time doesn't mean that God owes me something. So it's just getting caught up. I think it's, there's two, there was what I saw in this podcast, way, way, way too caught up in theological positions that did not touch ground and make sense in the context of real lived existence. Well, and that sounds like too, as we wrap this up, I mean, you just have a different orientation too. Well, and I would say I, would, I do too. So, yeah. Well, uh, I'll be controversial and say, I'm not trying to be controversial, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm not just saying, hey, this is what I think, this is what you think, everything's fine. I'm saying, I, I think you're missing something here. I think that, for example, the perspectives that are put out here um, are partial. So if you see the book, if you see the reality is that you go to church to hear the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen again for the forgiveness of all our sins— that's definitely true, and that's a big part of it. But if that's all you see, you're missing the boat. There's a lot more going on there. Because the Bible is not just about God. And then once the Bible is not just about God, then all of a sudden we have more room for um, lived experience to have a role in how we interpret our existence and in how, we, uh, in how we interpret our engagement with God. Right? Um. Yeah, and I guess some of the things that were said, I, I really would push back against pretty strongly. One of the presenters, so just in closing, said something like, well, not something like said, I don't need Jesus to lose weight to have a great marriage. These things are not distinctly Christian. And I would say, but, but they're markers of what it is to be fully and rightly human. Oh, and they I, were talking, yeah, they, in that context, they were talking about, they were reading off a list of support groups that support groups this is a some, minute 23 45 and onwards yeah and and you know they were kind of humorous but uh yeah i yeah i th- i think it was f- i think I, I would put it more as flippancy to be honest with you I, I found that really really problematic because if these are markers of what i need to be fully human and i need jesus to be the fullest and best me that i can be then i'm finding that through relationship with god more so than anywhere else, right? So another, at another point later on, at just about 24 and a half minutes, one of them said, so if you can find better solutions to such things, such as weight loss and a good marriage in other religions, and then they said, if you're looking for a good experience, try yoga, try Buddhism. And I just thought, no, I think you've really misconstrued what it is to be in a relationship with God. And they talked about, you know, sanctification. You, you, it's like watching a tree grow. And I thought, no, you know, it's like, it's a line. It is like a line. It's a timeline. But there are points along that line where I can identify the times where I made really good decisions and where I made some really bad decisions that affected me and my ability as a Christian. So 
I wouldn't say that they've got their opinion and I've got my opinion and we're just going to let it lie. You know, and that's, to be honest with you, no, I've been pushing clear. back against this <laughs> the whole time. I, I, I hear their opinion and, and with all due respect, I reject a lot of that opinion because right, I think I'm, it's unfounded on, uh, it's founded on, 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 on poor, poor understandings of, 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 of the biblical text and also poorly, poor ways of living in the world. And I want to do both well. All right. I think we should leave it there. <laughs> hey, sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> the only way, my last and final comment would be, all I was trying to say is, if they're, if they're starting from a different orientation, mm-hmm. they're going to major on, they're going to end up in a different place and they're going to major on different things. And you're starting a different orientation and you're majoring, you're saying, no, the emphasis needs to be on these other things. So no, I'm not. I'm not hearing you say. Well, it's it's cool. They can have their view. I'm gonna have mine. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's clear you disagree with them. Well, all right. Let me let me throw this out. You can you can you can cut this or not. Whether whether we want to, but I think that that's one of the most insightful comments. That that whole starting place thing. And one. Well, of I stole the... that from you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> of course, you like it. <laughs> Well, hey, sounded good. <laughs> I didn't know it was mine, but but yeah, I, I mean, I think that we start as human beings. No one's born a Christian. No one's no one starts from a Christian place, and I have to always be conscious of that. And yet, when I'm a Christian, that is a transformative or has a transformative effect on what it means for me to be a human being and on my humanity. And I think what I'm hearing a lot from 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 people who have we seem to have this general persuasion is we're starting off with Christianity. And I think, you know, you've lost touch. You've lost touch with your origins. You're a human being before you were a Christian. And to be connected with what it is to be a human being who becomes a Christian, I think that's really essential. Because when you, when you see things that way, you recognize, well, yeah, I mean, I did, I did make some good moves there. Yeah, I see these people and they're they're not Christians and they're making some good moves over there. It's not all this, 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 this very tightly locked down theological perspective that, you know, humans are deeply fallen and the only way they're going to have any value or be able to make any right moves is by um, you know, becoming Christians. So I think that starting point, I guess what I'm, what I'm aiming at is to say, I think maybe podcasting on that discussion would be of real value. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. Notes and links for this episode are at untanglingchristianity.com. We welcome your thoughts and comments both at the website and our private Facebook group. If you'd like to join the private Facebook group, let us know your email address in the sidebar of the website to receive notes and links for each episode, and we'll send you an invite to our private group. Or you can send your thoughts or requests to join the group by email. Send those emails to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode.